Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding, a wedding vow. I am back. We're at it again. It's the Ghost Lights Podcast. That's War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. They are our unofficial theme song, so please go out and buy it on iTunes so they don't sue me. Today, um, we are brought to you by whiskey and scotch, the brownest of the brown liquors. Uh, me and John Hauser each have our own glasses. He's got the Kern Irish whiskey, and I've got the Macallan 10-year, that fine oak finish. Cheers, John. Cheers. Mm. Mm. <sighs> That'll do. Yeah. That'll do. Thanks for joining us here on the Ghost Lights Podcast. And, John, thank you for being able to sit down with us. It's been, it's been a long time coming, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy to be here, man. Nice. Thanks for having me. Good. How the fuck are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. You know, I uh, just uh, opened a show fairly recently doing paper cut over at local mm-hmm. in, uh, in Boulder. Been going really, really well. Uh, love the guys I'm doing the show with and uh, my writer, Andrew. Super great too. Did you get to work with the playwright on the project? Yeah, yeah. He was oh, in wow. for the first, uh, the first like week and making a ton of script changes. And then we just in again at uh, right before opening, week before opening, mm-hmm. and uh, again giving us changes. So the day before we got an audience, wow! I got like a couple new pages. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was great. Yeah, there's no, was, there's no panic in that moment no, at all. No, none at all. No. Well, I'm sure there were all changes for the best. I'm hearing great things about the project. Yeah. I got my tickets for Saturday night. I hope you get yours too. Yeah. Get them ASAP. Do um, do people out there, my ghosties, get your tickets. Um, I, honestly, I've been loving the photographs from this, this project. I know very little about it. What's, uh, what's the, uh, the, the sneak peek you could give the potential yeah. audience? So it is about a, uh, a young soldier who, um, returns home after being injured by an IED mm. and, uh, losing a limb and some other parts, uh, and just him trying to readjust to, uh, to life back in the States. Wow. Yeah. Really, really compelling story. Nice. Is that what drew you to it or is it just the, the opportunity to work for local? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever been part of like a world premiere. Like, you Mm. know, I've been uh, like part of a lot of regional premieres, which is cool, but there's something really, really exciting about um, having the opportunity to work with the playwright and I don't know, to bring a show to people for the first time, just it seemed like a really cool opportunity. Nice. I've done a lot of readings of new plays, but to, to fully go there and stage the thing is, is really, really exciting. Awesome. Was this the first time you've worked with local? Yeah. Awesome. I know. I love it over there. They're great. Cool. I've, they, they always put on really unique theater, I've come to discover. It's like maybe one or two shows a year, mm-hmm. and they're all, A, well-publicized, yeah. But they got, but they also have really talented actors telling intriguing stories, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great. Also, they have got a great little system on their website. If you're buying tickets and you're under the age of thirty, go get that under thirty discount. What? Yeah, fifteen dollaroos. Yes. Forget those millennials out there. Mm-hmm. That's a great system. Big ups to local. Good for that. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. Awesome. Cheers to that. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's an easy scotch finish. But anyway, we have John Hauser on the show. And the question that we ask everybody, but we really want to know here, because I find you to be a jack of interesting, interesting trades. Thank you. Theater. <laughs> theater first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Acting. How the hell did it happen to you? So, uh, let's see. It was kindergarten. 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 So, 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So I was in kindergarten, and we were doing the school play, which was like I went to a Christian school when I was really Uh-oh. young. I know. I know. It wasn't the passion, was it? No. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, <laughs> came later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mel Gibson um, directed my kindergarten production. If only that. Yeah. The production value would have been nuts. It would have been. I didn't <laughs> even know doing... Henry Caviezel didn't graduate kindergarten. Anyway. <laughs> 
so we're doing we're doing the the, the prodigal son uh but like for some reason we're all farm animals except for one kid and yeah i know the, there's some some plot holes here I don't, I don't i don't totally get what my teacher was going for but um the reviews were not kind no they were they're really harsh especially to me yeah uh, it's okay i, I came up with it <laughs> But they, they, like she had cast everybody in class except for like the two like lead roles, Ooh. and it was between me and one kid. And either I would play the snotty, annoying kid, which I, I would have been great for. I could still do that part. Mm-hmm. Um, she's out there. <laughs> Can't remember her name, but I should be there. Um, and then and then a pig, uh, a dirty pig, and and which I would be great for. I mean, come yeah. on. I didn't see the notice, but I would have been there. Let's let, let's let's rebound this. Let's do it. This. Yeah, definitely. And and the audition was who could snort the best. And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even kidding it. And so the 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 one kid uh, is just like oinks, like you know, he's like mm-hmm. oink oink. Bleh. And I got I got really into it. I was like on the ground, and and she's like, okay, cool, yeah, you're the pig. I was like, what? I want to be the boy. <laughs> She's like, oh well. So, so I, I was, I was a pig, and then, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a, a downhill spiral until I've hit this point. What was it about being the pig in a kindergarten that like pulled you in? What, what excited you about theater? Well, you know, when I, I when I was really, really little, I, I, I just, I loved to like dress up. And and just like put on plays because mm-hmm. I lived with my grandparents for uh, a long while mm-hmm. and um, and yeah and so they had they had the best costumes old people clothes I mean come on yeah great yeah and fucking so, vintage I mean oh, come yeah. on right it's all like, authentic I'd wear it all today too uh, I mean probably yeah. you, you've seen this sweater it, that sweater is definitely someone's granddad's sweater it's, mm-hmm. it's beautiful you look great in it. No problem. I, I mean, it's it's cold today, so it's, well, definitely it's sweater. Time. Yeah, that's why we're drinking the brown stuff, mm-hmm. trying to warm us up a little yeah. bit. Hmm. Definitely working too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I don't know. I just I loved I loved telling stories and just and and making people laugh when I was a kid. You know, it's such a cliche thing to say, but I I just I really really dug it. And like whenever whenever my family would come into town, like my cousins would visit, mm-hmm. we we'd put on backyard plays. I remember one that, uh, uh, unfortunately, I would not be able to do this today, but I had a, a Pocahontas costume. I was <laughs> one of the, the the Indians in that, and uh, <laughs> I guess, sorry, she's a Native American, that's, that's what bad. I'm already digging Hey, I'm Navajo. You're treading on thin ice, I buddy. know, I know. I didn't know any better. Check I your just, white privilege at the mini fridge, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I didn't know any better. I was a kid, so, so I, I had this costume and then we had like a, a scientist costume. And when we were like partners in crime, trying to make like science experiments, or awesome. something. it was a very strange concept for a, a backyard play, but doesn't um, sound potentially racist at all. No, no, no. It was the nineties. Nothing was. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It was the nineties. Nothing was racist. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so, so every, I don't know, ever since. That that kindergarten play, I um, my grandma would send me to. My grandma was kind of crazy. She like in the best way. Yeah. If, if, if you're listening, grandma, we love you. Awesome. But she wanted me to do everything as mm-hmm. a kid. You know, she put me like she sent me to like art camps in the summer, um, like horseback riding lessons, swimming lessons. Um, like she took me to this computer class where I learned how to use. Uh, it's like a fancy version of Microsoft Paint that had really weird textures and. So, but she she just wanted me to have like a little bit of everything, uh, and and I think that's kind of carried over into my adult life. Like, I kind of just do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Obviously, the focus is theater, but I love hobbies. I feel like I'm a collector of hobbies. But she also took me to a to a theater camp, and I was really really shy when I was younger. I still kind of am sometimes. Unless I've been drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is the hope with our unofficial sponsors, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you're aware. Potential guests. <laughs> I want you to be yeah. as free as possible. Mm-hmm. But keep going. And and so so I, I had a really, really tough time uh, being outgoing and uh, and and auditioning for things. There. They'd, they'd, they'd have us do auditions. And, and I just would always be like, oh, I'd, I'd love to play the guard. You know, I remember playing a guard in Wizard of Oz. Nailed it. 
Um, but they gave us sort of the full experience of, of what a theater looks like backstage mm. and on stage. And so obviously we were, the goal was to put on a show, but we like, we made our own costumes. We helped make the sets. We, we did, we all did a little bit of everything. And it, mm. and it, it was so cool to just be part of this, like this group trying to make one thing, mm. you know? And I just, I loved that. So I did these summer camps and then, uh, as I got a little bit older, I, I was like, okay, well, now I'm in, in high school. Like, I want to be in the school play. I think I saw I saw them do some, like, murder mystery play when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And I was like, I'm almost a, a freshman. I'm going to go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to audition for, for the next play, and it's going to be great. And, and then, you know, I, I did a bunch of plays in, in high school. And when I got done, I was sort of in this weird place where I was like, wow, theater is really fun. But that's not a job. My family keeps telling me that. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? So I, I, I took a year and I worked at Walmart pushing carts and stocking shelves. Wow. And uh, and was totally fine with that, weirdly enough. I, I, I still like my own projects at, at home, which I think is why I stayed sane. But mm-hmm. I was totally fine just like showing up and doing exactly what I was expected to do and then leaving. Yeah. You know? It was nice because I didn't have to take any of it home with me. Um, but my my girlfriend at the time was like, I think I'm going to go to this school in Alamosa. And I was like, okay. For those of you who don't know, uh, it's Adams State University out in Alamosa. Ooh. Home of the sand dunes. Woo! Not much else. Big ups to the sand dunes. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay, cool. Well, maybe I'll do some theater in college. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I started auditioning for plays over there and was lucky enough to get cast. And... Uh, did some plays there and wrote a few and, and found that like my, my style is like, is really kind of based around having a, a, a lack of time and resources. Mm-hmm. I was sort of like, well, we have a day and we don't have much equipment, but we've got a camera and we've got some people and we've got some ideas. Yeah. Let's, Let's stay up till three in the morning writing a script and then we'll, we'll shoot a thing the next day and then we'll edit it and we'll just be done with it. Yeah. You Love know, it. and it was great to just like make things quickly, like quick and dirty. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, and I, and I love that, you know, I really wanted to uh, just make something that, that was, that was my whole goal when I was in college. I just wanted to make something. Yeah. And, um, and then as I was starting to get towards the end of my, my, my college career, I was like, well, well, theater was fun, but I'll probably never do that again. I mean, it's not a job. My parents keep telling me that. It's not. Um, and then I, I moved to Denver and I auditioned for a show uh, called Ambition Facing West at the Boulder Ensemble Theater. It was the first show I auditioned for. And it was awful. I had a terrible, terrible audition. It was horrible. <laughs> I did so bad. I was so nervous. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was like shaking the entire time. And then I get a call back, which was like, well, that was lucky. Yeah. And so I, I go to the call back and again, terrible, just horrible. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was doing, but I was really, really excited to be there. And I really wanted, I just wanted to like meet some people which still was hard for me at the time. Uh-huh. And, and I, I just, I wanted to do what I'd been doing for those four years in college you know, mm. and, and in high school and whatever. And, uh, and I got cast and it was nuts. And then we get into the room and it was awful. <laughs> I was so nervous. I couldn't talk to anyone. Steven literally had to pull me aside. The director one day afterwards was like, Hey man, you got to start talking to some people. It's <laughs> like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk to people. I mean, I don't want to get fired. <laughs> but what that really taught me was just like, we're all here for a reason. We're all in the room yeah. for a reason. It's like, cool. We can either like be terrified and, and be, be really scared of what's going to happen or, or we can just kind of let go and, and have some fun and uh, hopefully some good art comes out. And it was a really, really great experience for me. The nice. show was, was lovely. Uh, the people I worked with were incredible. I met some of the best people doing that show. And through that, was able to get my foot in the door in, in Denver and um, started booking a couple things after that and, yeah. and have been really, really lucky to, to have just gotten to do 
what I what I love so much, and, and here I am. Yeah. Yeah. You've been, I mean, it's been, our paths cross after Jerusalem yeah. over at the Edge Theater. And that's a play that I've talked about a lot, just in terms of its quality. And there was, I mean, everyone involved in that project, no matter no matter the size of the part, was really on point. And I was really drawn to you and your work yeah. from that from that show. And we've since bumped into each other yeah. at many a callbacks and seen each other's shows on occasion. It, it It's been really cool to kind of see your 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 maturation process and by all by no means and 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 forgive me i do gush about my guests either from a perspective of like i admire your work or for the longest time i had a grudge against you yeah and then i had to learn that you're awesome and it takes it takes time but like the microphone can't see me blush no definitely they it 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 can see me blush because i'm red and i just get really red (laughs) um anyway but yeah, it's been really cool to see that that ki- that type of growth. And it, and one of the things that I have been kind of intrigued by are the pieces that I've seen you in. Um, Ambition facing Wes, I'm intrigued by what I'm going to see on Saturday when I see Paper Cut. Yeah. Um, the show you did for Benchmark last year. Yeah, Smokefall. Well, Smokefall. I mean, just a, such an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the types of theater gigs? I, I shouldn't even say gigs, but like, what are the shows and stories that you that attract you the most? So I mean, it's it, it, it's tough when this is sort of your main source of income. You know, totally. I, I'm lucky enough to have some opportunities with um, uh, HP that are sort of like kind of paying for my life, so I can take more passion project projects, yeah. which is great. Um, but so for me, what it was originally it was like. I just want to get into anything that yeah, I can, yeah. you know, I just, I, I will take any job. Like I, I had no idea how cool Jerusalem was until I was called back. Cause I didn't even read it before I went no. to the audition, which was terrible on me. But when I, and, and talk about a masterclass, man, like watching yeah. Augie work was incredible. Like yeah. one of the coolest experiences of my career. Absolutely. And, and then like people like EPD and Mark Stith and Mark mm-hmm. Collins and those other roles. Yeah. And I had no idea who these people were. Yeah. And I was just up there like doing a show with them and, and just like watching them yeah. do their thing was so cool. Mm. Like, God, they're good. Man, I hope that they're not listening because I sound like a real nerd right now. Hey, but- that's okay. <laughs> that's what the podcast is for. I nerd out about everybody. I'll be the first one to tell you. I want to make out with Augie Troon and it's because of what I saw in Jerusalem. I mean, come on. I right. saw that show three times. Uh, it's a talent boner, and I, I have no problem admitting that. No, I mean, if, if you can sit through a show three times, I mean, that says something about what, what's happening on that stage. Because, and, and honestly, man, like, I'm not even taking credit for that. Like, that was so, like, we all, we all did our part, but man, that show is him. Whoever yeah. plays Rooster, it is. Yeah, yeah. No, he's got to carry. Yeah. He's got to be, he's got to have the energy and the charisma, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but so I mean, for, so for the longest time, it was it was find 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 anything, find yeah. work, um, and and I didn't know any of these theaters. You know, I it was I knew the little that I was able to see. I, I couldn't afford to see much theater when I got here. I was I was poor, mm-hmm. uh, and and so, but it was just talking to people. They'd be like, "Oh, this is great theater. This is great theater. I did a show here. I loved it, or I did a show here. I hated it. Don't ever go there." Mm-hmm. Which is like almost no theaters here. Totally, you know. Uh, but but so Rubik's then, cube, yeah, yeah, that's our safe word. Rubik's oh, cube. I didn't say anything. I, I know. Say I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Rubik's I know, cube. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then I, you know, I as as I did more shows, I started to realize what kind of um, like how I wanted to be taken care of as an actor, mm-hmm. and then so I started to look for things. Um, I, I kind of came up with three different things. You know, I was like, and a lot of people have these. There, does the show pay well? Is it at a theater or with a director or actors that I really, really want to work with? Or is it something that sticks out to me and that I, that I have to do? Is it like, is it one of those plays that I'll never get to do again? Um, And a lot of the time they sort of land in that third one for me because, you know, money is bullshit anyway. And like, you can probably find ways to get money. That sounds much worse than I meant, but you know what I mean? You yeah, know, yeah. like money comes and goes like who gives a shit, but like a good show, that's the thing that recharges you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that makes you want to keep doing this. Cause you can do, you can do mediocre work for good money any day of the week, but yeah. you just go miserable. You lose your mind. 
Totally. And uh, I, th- I think it's, 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 the, uh, it's the right plays that really, really keep you doing this. No, you're absolutely right. I was, uh, I was talking about – I have talked probably ad nauseum to our ghosties at home who have been listening to the most recent podcast and to all my friends who listen to me talk about the Kentucky Cycle, um, the show I recently wrapped up. Um, it was a struggle for me from the beginning, and, and all of it was ego. Mm. All of it was ego. I mean, the script is good that I was surrounded with more more times than not above grade talent, like really good actors. Yeah. And so it, it took me a while to get out of my own way to find the things that I really loved about the show. And when you when you first, I mean, I don't know, I find that the money pursuits, while as an actor, where it's your predominant source of income, you definitely need to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't keep it in mind, no, don't poo poo it. I'm not, and I'm not shitting on the actors that do. Of course, I mean we gotta, we gotta, we gotta make a living. Yeah. But I mean, when you sometimes when those are your, when that's your focal point in terms of job search, yeah, you're often doing like you often look at those smaller paying opportunities as a as a slap in the face or a step down, right? As it were. And I had a conversation with a friend recently talking about my experience going back to vintage mm-hmm. after having opportunities that I've had. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm out there grinding, trying to do good work no matter where I get put. Yeah. And I know that eventually my good work will speak for itself in other opportunities in other places. Mm-hmm. And, but your mindset is really awesome and refreshing. It, it, Cause I mean, I think to an extent we all want to work on great theater stuff that challenges us and, right. and that brings the, the cast and the crew around it closer together because it's so intense mm-hmm. or just challenging. I mean, but often other things come in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's always a, it's, it's, it's a weird thing taking, taking a show that you're offered, you know, mm. because the second you say yes to something, you're saying no to a lot of other things, whether that, whether you were to actually get them or not, it's neither here nor there. But I mean, the opportunity to, to be doing a certain show mm-hmm. is, is always the thing that scares me, you know? So I'm always like sort of hesitant to take a show, but then there's that part of me too. It's like, well, I may never act again. You know, what if I never get cast in anything? I better take what's right in front of me. Yeah. So there's that weird argument. That, that happens in my head every time I'm offered a role that I'm like, do I do this? Do I not do it? That's how I approach every rehearsal, which may or may not be a good thing. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, they could, the world could find out tomorrow that I'm a terrible actor yeah. and they'll fire me on the spot and right? throw me out of the shows that I've already signed on to. Please don't do that. People who've already signed me up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I take that to work every day. I'm probably because of my, my love affair for sports and athletics. I mean, I always know that there's somebody coming up behind you mm-hmm. who's working just a, just as hard as you, if not harder oh, yeah. for your spot. Yeah. And so you try and hone your shit and be on top of it and be just as passionate as you were at day one till the day you retire. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's the tough thing is it's, if you have a, if there's a project that you're working on, that's not, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Then it, 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 it's so scary to go back and audition again because you're like, well, I had a terrible time with this. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to go back and possibly go through that again. Like, no, I'm going to step away for a while. And that, and that happens to me, you know, over, not over and over again. It's not like I'm, I'm trying to shit on the people that I've worked with or anything like that, but it's, it's so easy to be insanely critical yeah. of, of a, your, your own work. And then what, what happens yeah. in the show, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, theater, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's why I got so into, in, in, into working on guitars. Yeah. You know, I, for, for such a long time, my, my focus has been kind of surrounded by people telling me what to do. Not that theater is not collaborative or anything like yeah. that. But at the end of the day, if, if you have one idea and your director's like, that idea is horrible, you're going to do this. You're obviously going to do what the director tells you. <laughs> Or, you know, you're an asshole and mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't do this. But mm-hmm. um, I, 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 so I, I was just like, man, I want, I want to be able to do whatever I want to do, you know? And that's why I started working on, on guitars. And it, it was just a thing that was like, well, 
if, if I don't do anything, then literally nothing happens. But mm-hmm. if I, you know, I, I recently got into winding pickups, like I was saying, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I did a lot of research on, on, on how many winds of a copper, uh, wire go around these little pole pieces that are magnetized for, um, different levels of like, uh, like brightness and, and kind of like warmer tones. Mm-hmm. And so like usually, uh, less wines is a little bit brighter, a little warmer, and then more t- uh, wines is a little darker, kind of muddier tone. And um, I was I was winding uh, my first pickup the other day, huh. and the copper wire, this thin, thin ass copper wire that is is the bane of my existence right now, uh, snapped on me after like six thousand wines. Oh yeah, uh, which, oh. which was oh. about two th- about twenty five hundred short. Of, of my goal. Oh. And so I'm sitting there like, well, either I have to start completely over, you know, just cut off this copper wire, which is not cheap, uh-huh. by the way, and then and then start over and hopefully get more than I got this time. Or where I was at that point, because I had messed up multiple times already, I was like, you know, fuck it, let's just, uh, let's wire it all together and see what it sounds like. And yeah. I just put it on a guitar today, and it sounds awesome, and I'm really happy with it. And nice. It makes me want to like go back into it and you know work on more and like learn kind of where the intricate intricacies. Whiskey's mm-hmm. doing his work, boy. Mission accomplished. Yeah, jeez. Um, but where those lie uh, in, in in terms of pickup winding. Um, totally. But yeah, that's that's another rabbit hole that we don't need to go down. Well, no, no, it's it, it's interesting stuff. I mean, the the separation from from art and self is often difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I know many people who can only define themselves by what they're doing and what comes next. Yeah. And that's not a terrible way to live your life. No, it's not what I want to do. Like I work so hard at, like I, 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 I derive a great deal of pride from my work at the school. Yeah. As no matter how soul crushing it can be sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, I would love to just be an artist. Yeah. It, it, for me, um, it's not it's not popping off. Maybe I got to work harder on the artistic end to make that the thing. But what I'm trying to say is, I like the separation from when I'm on stage and when I'm not, yeah. and having that it's I'm not clearly locked in or defined by A or B. And you know what frustrates me so much about there a lot of a lot of young actors mm-hmm. um, tend to say this, but when, when people say. Uh, I, I only know how to act. Mm. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, you're a fully functioning human being. You've made it to whatever age you are. Whoa, like, you you're know. being nice, fully functioning. Well, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's it, it's such a it's such a terrible thing to say about yourself. I only know how to act. It's like all you want to do is act, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like, they, people have people are capable of so much more. And and with the internet, the way that it is, I mean, it like. That is why I know like ninety percent of what I know about guitars and, and electronics. You know, it's just like if something breaks, I'm like, cool. How do I fix this? You know, open it up and like resolder it or yeah. whatever. You know, and it's just I don't know. I hate it when people say that they they only know how to do that one thing. Mm-hmm. That's such a bummer. And I and I never wanted to be never wanted to be one of those people that's like, oh, I'm just an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always I've always wanted to do. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Thanks, Grandma. Big ups to grandmas out Grandma there Ruth. telling you to do things. Whoop, whoop. And Grandpa Nick. Grandpa Nick, you were awesome too. Yeah. Love you guys. Big ups. I love you too. Because it's, it's brought you the John Hauser that I'm sitting across from talking to now. What is it about working on a guitar that um, it feels like it's a, like a meditation for you oh, yeah. almost? Yeah. Well, I – so – I have, anyone who's been to my house knows that I have a plethora of guitars. I have a rack of like seven just out in the living room and then a couple stands with a few more in there. And then there's some on the wall in my bedroom mm-hmm. and some under my bed and in the corner. And like there are guitars literally everywhere. And I've been, I've been repairing them lately mm-hmm. for friends, which adds to the mess. Uh, but I love it. Um, but what, so I, I had all these guitars and I was like, well, I can either take these to the shop again to get serviced or I could not pay for that 
and learn how to do it myself. Nice. And it's great because now I've realized I have spent insanely, just an incredible amount more on tools and and equipment and things to fix guitars than I ever would have spent having these guitars serviced for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. I, I didn't even think about that until this moment. But nice. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I take great pride in 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 being able to do something myself. You know, I I, I love I love that if the, if something's broken, I know I can, or at least I can learn how to fix it. Yeah. And so I have all these guitars that were playing okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're all right, but they 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 could play better. You mm-hmm. know. And, and I I sort of I started doing some research, and and a lot of the times what these uh, luthiers were saying was that like a, a large majority of how a guitar plays and feels is, is all in the setup. And so that's how high or low the frets are polishing them, how mm-hmm. high or low the strings sit on the fretboard on the bridge and intonation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I started, started learning how to crown frets to, you know, to level and crown frets. That was the, one of the harder things for me to learn. It's basically shaping the little metal, lines that go up and down the guitar neck um to be in this perfect little dome shape after they've been totally uh flattened yeah. by a file and and so you, you you take um painter's tape or masking tape and you tape off the wooden parts of the fretboard uh so that you've just got the the little metal frets to work on and then you take a file and you, you uh, grind down the tops so that they're all level and then you you know you try to curve them over so that they're um, a nice little dome so they're comfortable to play and and it takes an impressive amount of time to do 22 to 24 frets um and it's you've got to focus on it because if you rush you can gouge the fretboard you can slip and then gouge the fret that you've just worked so hard to get leveled and crowned you know there, there are so many things that can go wrong but when you get it right and you take your time, then when you, you pick it up for the first time you play it, you're like, oh my gosh, these frets are like glass. Like, you know, the strings just like, when you bend, they just glide across the, the frets and it, it feels incredible. There's nothing like playing a guitar that has just recently been set up and serviced. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just gave me such a great deal of joy to, to be able to do that for my own uh, guitars. And then as a means of getting better and getting more practice, I was like, Hey friends, send me your instruments that need a setup or mm-hmm. whatever. And I, and I always told them, I was like, I'll do it for free. Um, but you know, pay for the strings or pay me what you think it's worth. You uh-huh. know? So that either means like a beer later or like some people pay me real money for it. And nice. I, I appreciate all of those. I just love the opportunity to work on guitars. I love the, the the intricacy of what you just described. Yeah. It's so. I mean, I don't know. I think like to have something that requires that that amount of focus and and detail, and it feels like almost silent time. Like maybe you light a candle, maybe yeah. there's music playing in the background, maybe there's something to drink next uh-huh. to you, but it you're you're in it, and no one can bother you. Yeah, because the slightest disruption could throw off the entire thing. It's, 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 I mean, this might be a little hyperbolic, so I apologize, but those monks with the sand paintings, like I remember watching that as a young boy and like something about that level of Zen focus Mm -hmm. has always been sexy for me. Like that, like, yeah, passion is sexy. Yeah. You know, like when, when someone spends the time, to, to really, really do something, to focus in. It's nice. Yeah. You know, I, there was one, so I, I built my first guitar, um, a little over a year ago now, oh. I guess. Um, and it was one of the hardest for some dumbass reason. I chose one of the hardest guitars to work on. And I didn't really <laughs> realize that I was doing that at the time. I kind of just thought, Ooh, I like the way this looks. Um, that's what I'm going to make first. Uh-huh. So I always want, it was, it's a semi hollow body. If any of you out there know guitars, it's sort of like a Gibson three, three, five style. It's those big, um, 
guitars that have the F holes cut out. Like they look sort of like a violin, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, George, uh, George Harrison, I think played one. Uh, he played like an Epiphone. My mom's favorite Beatle. Yeah. He was yeah. the best. He was the best. Um, and yeah, they're just, they, a lot of the times associated with more like, like a more vintage sound. And I really wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that all of the wiring had to go through these little F holes because there's no plate on the back. And so I bought these pickups from a, a guy in England um, who was hand winding them, uh, who really, really inspired me to start making my own pickups. Um, cause, but the ones he makes are, are gorgeous. They're, they're just so beautiful. He's got like wooden covers for them. And these uh, they are called gold foils that have like a, a, a chrome outside ring. And then this like gold copper looking uh, kind of like foil mesh under it. Super, super cool. Yeah. Uh, no, But yeah, uh, so I, I got these pickups from him and, and what I wanted was um, a single coil for the neck, which is just one single uh, pickup, like, and then uh, a humbucker that could be split. So a humbucker is two single coils uh, kind of put t- next to each other. Okay. Um, and they, can, they cancel out the hum, hence the name humbucker. And uh, sort of boost boost the sound a little bit. They're a little uh, a little like crunchier, not so like not not quite as twangy as like oh, you okay. get on like a Telecaster or a Stratocaster. But um, and so I wanted that to be split, so I could have the option of having both of the 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 um, pickups, or just cut it out and have a single coil at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea how to wire that because I'd never done that before. And to do that, you need a, a special potentiometer that pulls out. And I know, I know, I'm using big words here now. No, yeah. no, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. This is exciting. Keep going. I love seeing this. Honestly, I love hearing the level of Good. care. So keep going. Okay, great. So so you need this, this special potentiometer that acts like a switch that cuts half of the circuit, basically. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm explaining this correctly, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there that knows more than I do that's like, oh, you're totally saying this wrong. But assuming I know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, let me grab a little bit more of this. Do it. Do it. The Irish current is waiting for you. K E R N. It's in a green bottle. Yeah, I'm gonna have to buy some of this. It's really good. Yes. Um, but so I, I worked on. I, I got it wired in so that it worked uh, without the the split. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to get it to make sound, but it wasn't. It just wasn't working properly. And then there was this horrible hum. So I was like, it's not grounded. And, and then, and, but the the pull pot didn't work on it. You know, and just all these things were going wrong. And, and then one night I stayed up very, very late. I, I was, I was drinking, um, a bottle of, of Jameson probably and sitting on my, at my workbench, uh, in my living room, uh, <laughs> trying to figure this thing out. Just like trying all these different ways of like, let's put the wire here. Try that. No, nope, that didn't work. Like let's solder the wire here. That didn't work. And so I tried all these different things. Morning rolls around and it's like seven thirty. And Jenna comes out and is like going to work. I'm like, oh, hey, I made you breakfast. It's on the table. And she's like, you've been up all night? I was like, yeah, but check this out. And I pulled the guitar out. Sure enough, I had gotten it to work by that point and uh, was over the moon and uh, very drunk. Uh, But, you know, I, I... it was one of those things where I was like, I'm not going to sleep tonight until I figure this thing out. And I did it. And it just, it felt incredible. And, you know, it's, it's a thing that has really, really taught me to kind of take that energy and, and turn it back into, into other facets of my life, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like theater, it's easy. It's easy. Very, very easy to get complacent. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we do a show and people tell us we're great. Uh, we get a good review, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and then we think, yeah, I I am a good actor. I got this shit figured out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then a role rolls around where you're like, I, I I don't have those tools in the tool belt to, to make that, that role happen, Mm -hmm. how it should, you know, and it's embarrassing and it's humbling and it's, uh, heartbreaking, you know, it's, it's, it's all of these things all at once. But if I had a quarter of the energy that I had for guitars that I did for theater, in those times, mm-hmm. then I, I would be the complacent times. Yeah, exactly. Then I would be I would be in a much different place. Mm-hmm. You know, I so so yeah. So it 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 is teaching me still over and over to to take that energy and, and turn it back into something else. Nice. I, I, I we and you've had occasional conversations like 
just in passing at callbacks or say after an opening night somewhere and over drinks, obviously. But um, one of the things I've noticed is you talking about getting into guitar upkeep and creation, like talking about that process. and, and, And it's, it's great to hear you talk about how that's, influenced and educated you on enlightened you to your your craft for acting when you're when it's when when your theatrical instrument isn't grounded you know when 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 there's something rough about the playing what do you go back to like what helps you Mm. smooth that shit out to get the right sound that's that's a really really good question uh i i mean i we i think i think the most underutilized uh thing that we have is is our friends you know the people Mm. that we work with we work with so many incredible artists and though i think if you're going to do like a (laughs) full-on coaching obviously pay the people that you're working with but there's something really really incredible about getting a handful of artists into a room and and having just like a monologue circle or whatever like if if you're working on an audition you Mm. know like let people be critical let people give you feedback like and try like try everything in the room even if you know it's a dumb idea even if it's like some dumb idiot is like oh what if cheese shot out of his nose the entire time you're saying that line it's like well that's a horrible idea but i'm gonna try it yeah you know maybe, maybe not that i don't know but <laughs> that got a little ridiculous but uh, you know what i mean yeah absolutely. Uh, it's great that you i mean for for those of you i mean i don't know if i'm not you live with other actors. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's great. Three of them. Three of them. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy amount of actors in one place. It is. Four of them? Come on. I know. Uh, and one of them's a San Francisco Giants fan? Ugh. Please. What a loser. Ugh. Oh, don't even get me started on that loser. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, the Giants suck. Uh, Didn't even make the playoffs this year. Yeah, they play sports. Blah. Anyway. <laughs> but it's good that you have that, like, kind of almost – it's internal, the setup, to, like, have those people to bounce that off of. Yeah. Do you go to your roommates often? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, 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 got, I got really bad about monologues for a while, you know, because mm-hmm. I was like, I had my, had my two, you know? Yeah. Bring us two contrasting monologues, whatever. You know, and I had my two, and I kept doing them, and I, I got really, really comfortable with them because they started giving me a lot of work. And then I was like, wow, I have changed mm-hmm. a lot as, as a human being and as an actor in, in, in the four years that I've been here. It's time to change things, you know, yeah. and and so going back and finding a good monologue that you're comfortable with, that you connect with, that is going to be that thing that people are like, "Whoa, you do that thing really well," mm-hmm. you know, showing off what you got. Uh, it, it's scary, you know, because you're like, "Well, I can always go back and do these pieces again," you know, because they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. But showing people a new monologue, it, you've got to you've got to work it with people. Yeah, I, I always tell I always tell my friends. Um, that that one of the most incredible things uh, for me was when I saw myself on camera for the first time. Mm. Uh, when I was younger, a bunch of my friends wanted to like make films. You know, we had the little handy cam, and uh, you know, a lot of inspiration. That was all we had. We yeah. didn't have microphones. We didn't have lights. We didn't have a good camera. We didn't have anything. Yeah. And and I, and I would watch it. and I'd be like, oh, this sucks. But that's so and so's fault because they had a dumb idea or they were a bad director and you know, we're like in high school and, but at the end of the day, it was still cool to see ourselves. And I started to get to that point where I was like, well, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy with the dumb ideas and the bad direction. That'll be me. (laughs) (laughs) So so I bought a camera. I bought a, I bought a Canon T3i in 2010. I think Uh this camera was like pretty okay at the time. It wasn't like a, a good camera, but it was, it was a good enough camera. And, and I, I could learn, A, what the hell a camera was, because I didn't really know how to use a camera. Yeah. Um, and then, B, how, how to make the movie that I wanted to make, you know, instead of trying to make somebody else's movie. Hmm. So I, I bought this camera, and I, and I write this film. And little did I know that this film would be, like, the bane of my existence for years. Yeah. Uh, it was called Thieving Types. It never released. It We shot the whole thing and realized we had a giant steaming turd on our hands. And that was great. That, that was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me because I, would, I was directing and acting in it as well as 
you know, doing some stuff behind the camera or at least just talking with yeah. um, my friend, Matt, who was the, the DP and a lot of other things on that project. He, he was like, he was my, my partner nice. on, on, in crime for all that stuff. <laughs> and, and I would watch these takes and I was like, wow, that's not what I meant to do at all. Like I'm trying to do this yeah. and this is what I look like. I look stupid. And like, I know this is bad acting. Like as somebody watching this, if, 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 if I were not myself watching myself, I would say this person is a bad actor. Hmm. And, and I think that happened like my, my, my freshman or sophomore year of, of college. And, and, and I was like, this is great. At least what I can do now is do the take, watch it, see what I'm doing wrong, or at least what I think I'm doing wrong and go back to it again and try a completely different tactic. And it was great because it taught me a lot about at least film acting, mm -hmm. if not about acting in general, you know, it just, uh, it gave me, it gave me um, a lot of insight as to what I felt when I was doing the thing, you mm -hmm. know, and versus what I thought I was doing. And so I always tell my friends, I'm like, Hey, if you've got an audition coming up, if you've got, um, you know, something that you're preparing for, film yourself doing it. And if it's painful for you to watch, it's probably painful for them to watch. Mm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah. I mean that in a way of like, like this is a great tool as to like, if you, I, obviously we're all very critical of ourselves. I totally. get that. But like, if, if you watch something and you're like, wow, I really nailed that. And you're, and you're honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did a great job. Then excellent. Like take it to someone and you'll probably book it, hopefully. But if, if you're sitting there watching it and you're like, wow, why did I say it like that? Why did I do this? Mm -hmm. You know, work with somebody, you know, find a coach, whatever. And I don't know, it, it just, it, it is the thing I continue to go back to where I'm like, okay, now I know what I sound like. I don't have to rely on someone to tell me what I sound like or to just stroke my ego, which is the worst thing they can do. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I have a podcast. I'm essentially doing that every time I record one. I mean, at least it's not called like Sam Gilstrap's Actor Parade. Yeah, totally. Or like starring Sam Gilstrap. Starring Sam Gilstrap. Yeah. Or like listen to Sam Gilstrap talk ad nauseum about. Like my first, my pro, my my pilot podcast was me talking for about 27 minutes about some like bleeding heart, butt hurt stuff. <laughs> and I and I posted that online. Yeah. So glad that got deleted. Yeah. So glad no one heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it was not. That's not where I wanted to take this. Yeah. Um, but I needed I need to needed to get that sample out there. And it's yeah. cool. I mean, but what you're saying though about getting other voices involved, or at the very least to develop a a not maybe not just like an overly critical eye, but just somebody that like I mean, I think for most actors, when they get to a specific level, if they're honest with themselves, they can tell when they're connected. Mm -hmm. And they can tell when their choices yeah. are working. Or that they're they're really listening and they're not thinking about what they're going to eat after the show. Yeah. Or, oh, I, I I hope I hope Bay likes the way I look tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know those kinds of things. Like when you you could the honest actors know those moments, um, but it's hard. Like I have had an acting coach who on occasion has like told me that like you get to this place Sam where you think you've got it figured out, and and that is like that I heard that many times over the last three years. Mm. And it's really, really frustrating for me because even when I'm hitting it out of the park, I know there's something I'm missing. Mm. Like even when I, I've, I, my favorite part to play in the Kentucky cycle was Abe Steinman. Okay. Very grounded, very arrogant. Um, I've talked about this with everyone who listened to me. He's the first character I've ever played that for sure had big dick energy, yeah. like genuine BD energy, walking into the room, putting it on the table, letting you see what he was working with. And there were there were multiple times where I was like, this this moment isn't where I need it to be. Yeah. And and and, and it's not because it, there's like obviously we'll never get it perfect. It'll never be right because existence isn't perfect. <laughs> but there were just certain things like I know I can deliver this in a better way. To the audience and I don't know if that makes me any better or worse acknowledging that but I, I'm hyper aware of like 
I want people to give me honest feedback. Oh yeah. I we, I, I need that criticism. When when I first started in this game, I couldn't take it. Yeah. You put down the ensemble when I was always an ensemble member. Oh, I took that personally. I'll never forgive you, John Moore. <laughs> um, he's put down many of the ensembles that I was a part of. Oh, John. How dare you, sir? <laughs> and and but it, now, like that voice is important. And if you've got that in your friends, and you can go to them and you can trust them to give you that honest feedback and you can develop that critical eye in yourself, not from a, I'm putting myself down because I don't deserve it or I'm not enough. Yeah. Not from that perspective, but from the, like, I know where I can work on it. That felt a little off. I see, I see now that that's a little off. Yeah. And to be able to go back and do it. That's a great, that's a great little pointer for the actors out there to like record your monologues. CSF auditions are coming up in two weeks. I hope you all are prepared. Step that monologue game up. Get on it. Yeah, it's more than just having a verse and a classical piece. Get that shit together. Man, I'm still scared of CSF. Oh, you and me both, sister. I, I feel like every time I've auditioned for that place, I've had my one of my worst auditions. Yeah, why? Why do you think that is? Like, I I understand like the text being one thing, but like, it's what do you, what do you think it is about about Shakespeare that's so. Now I'm asking you the questions. That's, that's great. great. No, thank what, you. But what do you, what do you think it is about Shakespeare that's so I don't I don't want to say daunting because it's it's I think it's easy to get over like oh this is Shakespeare but well where do you find your connection in Shakespeare? My connection like first of all like I I am my connection to it has has changed in the last two years. Um, I took uh, the monologue class with Jeffrey Kent at the Denver Center, nice. and his infectious attitude towards the the material, mm-hmm. like the way he just he felt about it and talked about it, really changed my perspective on it. Because when I started that class, I knew one thing about myself: I can memorize a Shakespeare audition. It doesn't mean I'm going to be doing any good with it. <laughs> yeah. My paraphrasing might be off here and there, so on and so forth. And I think one of the things that is the one of the keys to that that intimidation factor and that still exists in me with a week and a half to go before mine is like I've made my choices but is it sometimes Shakespeare when it's done the way it was written and done with intention and done honestly that that tri- that trifecta mm-hmm. is so hard to mm-hmm. obtain yeah that takes a lot of work and to see that done whenever it happens is it's breathtaking. That's when it's transcendent when you, because anyone can take a modern play and connect to this, like a raw guttural emotion that Shakespeare talks about and, and dives into in some of his greats, Richard the third, most notably from last year, other ones, of course, Hamlet, Mackers. I'm not going to say because I don't want anything to happen in my house. No, like, no, I mean, here, not for you. Yeah, thank you. We'll keep it up. Right. But I mean, like th- that stuff, it's rare to see the, 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 the high drama of Shakespeare done, done with the pentameter and done with honesty. Yeah. When I was a kid, all I thought it was was people using English accents yeah. and speaking <clears throat> in a very presentational way. So yeah. I could never relate to it. I never related to it. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that, I mean, I, I guarantee you, you ask any of the people that sat and watched my CSF auditions <laughs> four years ago, Sylvia probably could attest to it. <laughs> any of the people that sat inside the Denver Center for my general audition, whenever I got to the Shakespeare audition, I was doing the same thing. Hand in the air, <laughs> hand over hearts. Oh, <laughs> like this, oh, like unattainable. Whatever I thought I was doing, yeah. And I don't know how that is for you, oh, gosh. but I think I mean for me, it, it's trying to find the balance between those three things and still knock it out of the park. I think I'm coming from a kind of uh, a, a very different place, obviously, but uh, uh, for me. I think I sort of suffer from um, not having very much exposure to it. Hmm. Um, I've seen a handful of Shakespearean plays. I've worked on less. Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, and, which which is good because I shouldn't be. I should not be. Uh, well, maybe I should be doing more Shakespeare just so I learn it. But <laughs> you know what? I mean? I'm not. I don't think I'm the right person yet 
to to get. But I think I might be someday. Um, I, I think where I you are now, it needs the right moment. That's fair. I well, what I, what <clears throat> what where I kind of land with it is is when I see a more modern adaptation, and I don't mean like oh we're wearing jeans and and hoodies. Like I don't mean like just in the in the design of the thing, yeah. but I, I find that with a lot of these modern uh, tellings of the story, that it ends up being like the the way in which people speak is very different. Yeah, it's 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 less about the words that they're saying, more about how they're saying them. Mm. And and I don't think that's really a great thing. Yeah, um, I it, it, it's tough because if we if when we fall into this like kind of more modern way of speaking when doing Shakespeare, mm. there there tends to not be the emphasis on the words that need to be emphasized, yeah. at least from what I've seen, you know, and from what I've done. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of a bummer because when, when, when someone who loves Shakespeare breaks down a, a, a piece of Shakespearean text, mm. you know, what's important and why. Yeah. Like almost immediately. And it's, and it's so incredible because I've never had that brain where I've been like, oh, okay, this is the thing right here. And this is how we're going to make that the focal point of this monologue or line or whatever. Yeah. And so I, so I've been trying, so I, for a while I tried to make it more like modern. I was like, this is how we talk, you know, like, let's, let's say it how we say it, but that's not always the right thing. I, I heard a great thing from uh, a playwright once that the first five to 10 minutes of the play is you teaching the audience how to watch your play. Mm. I thought that was so incredible because even with Shakespeare, something that I had a really, really hard time understanding when I was younger. And even to this day, yeah. I, I watch a Shakespeare play and I'll, I'll catch probably like 40% of it. Uh, don't tell Allison uh, just cause uh, I don't want to lose my job at the Denver center. Don't worry. But, she doesn't listen to this yet. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> But don't think I don't know that stuff. Watros. <laughs> See, now that she's you. called out, she's got it. Oh, this will be the one that she listens to. And she's like, Sam, <laughs> I was there. I was listening. Hey, I emailed her. She's yeah. ignored my emails. Now I'm teasing. Oh, she's busy. She's very busy. I'm sure she'll be back eventually. Yeah, Rubik's Cube. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> I might have already damned myself. No. <laughs> you can always cut this out later, right? No. <laughs> no, I don't edit this. That's good. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's real. Man. The, the swears. I'm trying to strike that balance, Ooh. yo. Uh, yeah. It's, it, see, I'm, I'm I'm trying to. I don't want to give too many swears because if Grandma Ruth listens, I'll be getting a phone call later. She will not be happy. She can she can get mad at me. Tell you. Okay. Do you tell her to send her her problems? Tweet me at the Ghost Lights Podcast. I'll do it. I'll have I'll I don't know if she knows what a tweet is yet, but. She taught me to learn so many things, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna on the gram. Her. I'm on Snapchat. She can find me. Grams on the grams. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I had a really getting back to what we were saying. Yeah, I had a really hard time understanding Shakespeare, and I found that when I was watching um, some modern adaptations, I just got what they were saying because I, I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what they're saying here, but I feel what they're feeling. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think a combination of the two of those, especially, well, a good Shakespearean actor always nails that because the text is first and foremost yeah. and it's beautiful and it's, it's awesome. And it's, it's, it's what it's supposed to be. And then, but they're also their, their performance within it is like, Holy shit. Like if I don't understand what you're saying, like I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this ride. Like I feel what you're feeling because you are like, you're giving it out. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. When I was taking, I, my, one of my first theater gigs was with um, no holds barred theater company with the kissing Ferds. Um, at John and Kate, and they were great. I worked with, I mean, Lindsay Pierce and Kevin Lowry, two nice. very prominent actors in yeah. Colorado and now New York yeah. in certain cases. Um, it's, they were involved in this group, and they, they, they really kind of – one of the things I learned from them is, A, that the vast majority of the first act is very, very expositional mm -hmm. and requires you to pay attention. But they – they they made sure that the the text isn't just as just as invaluable as the work like just invaluable as the action, and I learned from them to like to help audiences get it is 
act out so much of Shakespeare's stuff is sexual or mm. or violent in in terms of what's being described and a little of addition to your your words with your mannerisms and gestures helps sell that for the audience because yeah. I I would if I were to read Shakespeare to my Kepner Beacon school they would lose their minds yeah. what are you saying to me yeah. you're crazy you're so extra mister yeah and I, that's the truth I am extra, but I mean, it's it's hard to follow Shakespeare in certain cases if you don't have the the emotional intention behind it that we can feel, mm -hmm. or the little bit of like phallic gesture to go with your yeah phallic line. Well, and I there, there there's the uh, the line in uh, in Romeo and Juliet where uh, where she says, "Nor arm, nor face." Or whatever, nor any other part belonging to a man. Yes, and and whenever they say that, I, I, there's either the school that gets it or the school that doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I after you know the first few times doing it, I was like, okay, if they don't get it, maybe they need a little bit of help. And so every time she says, nor any other part belonging to a man, I always give a little giggle and I'm just like, oh, uh, I'm so embarrassed. She means you know guy stuff. <laughs> that's right. And, and then and, and I find that like that little bit of a a little like a little bit of a wink. The kids are like, oh, she means dicks. What? what? Woo! Yeah, you know? And so and it's great, though. That's one of the best parts about doing Shakespeare in the parking lot is 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 when the kids really get it. When they're not like, oh, man, I'm so over this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Those days, you know, they happen. They suck, but they happen. Yeah. But, like, if they're in it and they're really, really paying attention and they start to get some of those jokes that they're like, what this is Shakespeare like I, I didn't realize this was actually like fun you know that's when it feels cool that's yeah it's been it's been the most rewarding part of of that job you've been doing that for four years you said yeah for four years man and it's that's crazy awesome. because it's it's hard to remember sometimes you know when you're waking up at at five in the morning and driving out to Gunnison. nowhere yeah I mean <laughs> God, Gunnison, Greeley, Alamosa. Bailey. We have not gone to the Valley yet. Oh, okay. We are trying to go to the Valley at some point, which I actually really think would be great because they don't have a ton of... Uh, Hello. Oh. Keep going. Sorry, my landladies. Oh, okay. Talking to us. <laughs> I think we have talking to you. Yeah. Are you recording? Yeah, we are. We're live. Hi. Hi. She said hi. Oh, thank you. Okay. You can come eat with us. Dinner's ready. We, we may. Maybe, maybe there's there's food available. And Ribs is now joining us. Our dog. Hey, hey. Yeah. All right. Bring up whatever you want to drink. And we'll, we'll do. We'll be having water also. Cool. Sounds great. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll see what you bring to the table. We'll see. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're available, come on over. We're having food tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much we'll have for you. Um, but yeah. Where, 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 where um, I think we were talking about trying to get up to the valley, but the the, oh, the importance yeah. of when kids getting it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's it's a real special moment when uh, when when they're actually locked in and uh, and they're enjoying it, you know. Because on those days where it's tough, but they really love it, you're like, well, you know, I felt crappy this morning, and you know, I was I was a grouch during uh, you know warm up or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, when the show works, it really, really works. And it's it's a very, very special thing to be part of something like that. And, and especially for schools mm. that don't have a ton of exposure to the arts. Uh, it's a really, really, it's a great thing to be a part of. Absolutely. And, uh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. But I'm still not a morning person, so <laughs> sometimes it's tough. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a morning person, and I got to... I got to deal with the, the the baddest kids in my school as soon as I walk in. So yeah, it's a it, I get it. I get yeah. the vibe. I've st I've decided that not being caffeinated for that really helps me get through it. Oh yeah, yeah, because I'm so numb to the world. I just keep everything in a very jazz light FM tone. Like yeah, hey, it's all right. Everything's cool. You here. have a Sammy Gills. Sammy Gills office. He's got you going right now on the light FM. 24-7, you know how I do the damn thing. Smooth, smooth jazz. That's right. We're going to kick it off with some Kenny G, and then we'll be right back with some... Uh, Miles Davis. Miles Davis. Thank you. I lost hey, jazz artist. Uh, we're, insert random jazz artist yeah. here. Kenny uh, G and Miles probably shouldn't be long together. Definitely not. Um, Kenny, G, Kenny G wishes he yeah. could be in the conversation with Miles Davis. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kenny. Sorry. To all my Kenny G fans out there, you need to listen to different music. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. That's okay. A- anyway, when we get to this point in the podcast, we always ask our guest, what's that one ghost light, that one piece of advice or multitude pieces of advices you wish you had gotten when you got started? You had a very interesting path to acting. You were allowed to try and almost forced to try a lot of different things. So I'm sure they all kind of helped to an extent yeah. get you to where you're going. But what's that one thing you wish you heard? Well, I think the, the most important thing to me that I wish I would have learned a little bit earlier uh, was just that I, that I don't need to be acting to feel fulfilled as an artist. Mm. You know, and I there are so many ways to make your art Mm -hmm. that don't have to be on a stage in front of an audience. You know, Mm -hmm. if you've got friends, if you've got an iPhone, make something, you know, that's at the end of the day, all I've ever wanted, all I still want to do is just to make something. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, you may feel like crap. You may feel depressed. You may feel angry. You may feel happy. You're going to feel all the things, but just channel that energy into something else and, yeah. and, and make art from that. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a pretty broad thing to say, but I think that's sort of what, uh, what does it for me. You know, I just, uh, I don't know. I wish you could see this hand gesture, but it's from the science of sleep. If you haven't seen science of sleep, watch it. Cause they do the thing there where he's like with his hands and for some reason, that's always what acting has been to me. Is the, It's a random thumb and pinky movement while the other three fingers stay in place. Yeah. It's sort of the like patting your head and Ooh. rubbing your... St- I can't do it. No, uh, I've, I've been... As you've been doing it, I've been hiding the gesture behind the laptop screen trying to get it down. It's weird, right? It takes a lot of focus. And so, so that's, that's what but I... But it's kind of relaxing when you get the vibe. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. If... Go out and watch Science of Sleep, I guess. That's that's apparently my ghost that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and uh, make your make your art. Make it. Just make it. Don't yeah. worry about the, the, the context, but get your voice out there in some way. It's mm-hmm. that's that's a common refrain and it's and it's something we need to hear often. Yeah. Um, thank you, John. Go out and see Science of Sleep. But before and after, probably go get your tickets to local theater companies' production of Paper Cut. Whoop. It is up in Boulder. I'm going Saturday. Come and join me. There's still like 20 seats left. Yeah, yeah. that's I think not you a run lot until uh, November 11th. November so, 11th. Yeah, come and see it. It's 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 a lot of fun. There's some, some gorgeous acting in there, and and it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Absolutely. If you uh, if you've got connections to a school, um, hit up the Denver Center and make sure you can get the. Uh, what's it called? Shakespeare in the parking lot. Shakespeare in the parking lot to come see you. Yeah. They are, it's got a good team, good talent, good passion behind it. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the ghost lights podcast. I am your host, Sam Gilstrap. The song is war by the hypnotic brass ensemble. Before we sign up, can I do one thing? Absolutely. I told Jenna, I'd give her a shout out before I, uh, Jenna, who Jenna, you know, Jenna Morais, my lovely, lovely girlfriend. I just want to say, Hey, I know you're at home recovering. But I love you. I hope I hope the soup is good. And uh, I'll see you in probably like 45 minutes when I drive home. So uh, love it. By then, I'll probably be next to you listening to this and laughing at how silly I sound. But uh, yeah. Jenna, we love you here. There's a shout out. Keep grinding. Yeah. All right. Stay up, shawty. Ladies and gentlemen, War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Follow 